Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We're here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the walk for change across the entire industry. Today we are joined by Anna Flack, she is the Head of Marketing and Communications at Cadre, an enterprise blockchain company that builds tech systems to revolutionise the financial markets. She's had five plus years of institutional banking experience before taking the leap into fintech and blockchain, and she hasn't looked back. She loves tech, innovation, and is very, very passionate about challenging the status quo, which I can't wait to hear more about. Um, she's been named the rising star on the Women of Fintech Powerless 2018 by Innovate Finance, and she's here today to share her story. Anna, welcome. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Nadia. I'm really, really pleased to be here. Um, I'm a big fan of this podcast and, oh, and your work, you. so really excited to be here today. It would be good to hear about your journey um, and tell us a bit more about what Cadre actually does. Fab. Um, cadre, so, and yes, we just spoke about it's pronounced cadre, um, and actually comes from um, the Latin word cada, oh, so right. with a C, um, which is um, well, Latin for a small group of people that specifically have come together for a particular purpose. Oh, nice. And for us, that was making blockchain real. Um, and incidentally, cadre in, in French and Latin um, also means framework and frame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So very much fits with our, our blockchain framework. Um, for our company, I actually once made a slide which showed the image of a car and Dr. Dre. <laughs> yeah, Just I so like people that. know if it's appropriate, you know, that's a way that they can explain it as well. So yeah. that's us. Yeah. So um, at Cardre, we're all about blockchain for business. We develop fintech solutions for enterprise um, on a mission to unbundle finance. Mm -hmm. We have our own blockchain framework that's been designed from scratch um, as a database for private and permission networks, Amazing. so not as a cryptocurrency. Um, and um, that is highly modular. That means that our clients um, and companies can only use the functionality needed to solve their specific business problem. It's very easy to adopt. Um, it's written in Python which Great. I've been told is a universal programming language. Yes, it and is, and uh, we're getting loads of requests for Python people at the exactly. minute. Exactly. So that'll be music to a lot of people's ears. We should work together. We've also started sort of Python and pizza over lunchtime so that oh, everyone nice. learns how to code a little bit. Um, and I think most importantly, our framework is easily integrated with other databases and existing IT systems, nice. because only that way blockchain will work yeah. in combination with other tech. Um, it has also been selected by the UK government as the first approved blockchain provider in nice. blockchain technology, which is amazing. And um, drilling it back, we can say that Cardre really um, has two parts to our business. So one of them is our framework, which I spoke about, which mm -hmm. is called Husky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we love dogs, mm, and I you know how we always <laughs> we always say how um, working in blockchain is like dog years. Okay, nice. Um, and also, um, actually, the, this m computer used by the military uh, was called Husky, and it's super resilient. So right. very much like our tech. And the second part of our business is um, companies and ourselves building on top of that platform. So building applications on top of that platform, and that could be across sector. That could be yeah. in finance. That could be in supply chain. No. Um, you know, um, it could be in, in, in many different sectors. 
and all of the projects really go back to the fact that today many or most data repositories are siloed. Yeah. So your tax records, your financial records um, are duplicated yeah. and health records. So for instance, you know, I'm originally from Munich in Germany, so I've got all sorts of different health records of myself um, with doctors in Germany in Munich. Mm -hmm. uh, then I came to the UK, started working in investment banking, used the kind of private GPs. They have some of my data. Then I joined the startup world and I've been using the amazing NHS. Mm -hmm. So now my data's all also there. So really the idea is, you know, one day I'm hoping I'll be in control of all of that and it won't be yeah. siloed um, or at least those institutions easily share, share these bits of information with each other. So the transfer of value and ownership and how businesses communicate really is yeah. you know, very time consuming, um, slow, costly and, and risky. Mm -hmm. So that's where blockchain brings many benefits. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the sort of main benefits um, are lowering costs, driving efficiencies and, and delivering certainty. And um, many people talk about decentralization with regards to blockchain. Yeah. Um, but in my view, that you know, the the real value actually lies in the automation, coupled with the three T's, as I like to say it. Oh, yeah. um, that's the transparency, traceability, and tamper evidence. Transparency, traceability, tamper evidence. Tamper evidence. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And this is your thing. I like that. Yes, that's kind of. I like framework. So I kind of, you know, because. I think there's still a lot of misconceptions about what blockchain is, which benefits it brings, mm -hmm. and and you know there is no such definition. So there's so many different applications of it, um, but really a lot of it goes back to automizing mm -hmm. processes, um, and often that just means digitizing very manual and paper-based processes. For instance, mm -hmm. in trade finance, or shipping, and so forth, um, or it could also mean you know, the putting an end to manually duplicating and manually re reconciling that ledgers across different mm. banks or whatever. Mm. Um, then the transparency is really important. I always like to explain it with um, Google Docs. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. those, but, um, you know, um, whenever working a Google document, you will always have one single version, right? And with whoever is in, in that network, and I will see live and in real time if you're making any changes to it. Mm. Um, so you really have that transparency, which is very similar to what, what blockchain delivers and that version control. Um, then the, the traceability is an aspect that's really valued in supply chain. So really tracking goods when they go across the supply chain through the different intermediaries mm. and also for the end consumer to see where those may be from. Yeah, yeah. And now last but not least, the tamper evidence, yeah. um, which is the built-in cryptography, um, <clears throat> which means that information cannot be added, deleted or modified without being detected by other users. Right. So often people speak about immutability, yeah. but actually in blockchain, information can be changed. However, if you're part of the network, it will never go unnoticed. You will always see um, the changes in there. There will be an audit trail, and these changes are time-stamped and attributed to a verified identity, yeah. which is linked to a real-world identity. Yeah, yeah, okay. So this is where many people speak about that trust element that blockchain brings. Because when you were talking about Google Docs, like I love Google Docs, but 
if a change has been made and I can't I can't remember the journey yeah. that that document's taken, that me, my personality, that bothers me with just one document, let alone someone's right. monetary records or, or NHS records like you were talking about earlier. So that tamper evidence makes, uh, makes lots of sense. Exactly, and right. And does build that trust. And we used to use, was it track changes with, with words yes. <laughs> to yeah. kind of see if someone sends your text back. Oh my God, what has actually changed? I've made some minor amendments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wh which ones? Yeah, yeah exactly, 100%. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Cardray does a hell of a lot. Like you've spoken about cross-sector here. Um, you've spoken about um, mod different modulars, uh, integration and how easy that integration is. I think yeah. that's a big issue at the moment. On you know, There's a lot of blockchain companies out there that talk about all the stuff that they can do, but you can't integrate it. So Absolutely. how useful is that going to be in day to day? Um, but there's been so much that you've, you've mentioned here. Um, I can imagine there'll be lots of questions from, from the people listening. So if anybody does want to get in touch with Anna to ask any more around exactly what Cardray does, Car and Dr. Dre, Cardre, <laughs> um, definitely I'll put your, your link to the bottom of this. Fantastic. Um, is there anything else you want to add around what Cardray does and what, make, what makes uh, Cardray unique and, and different? Or should we move on to the next question? Um, I think, you know, the, the big thing here really is the, <clears throat> the tamper evidence um, yeah. and, and, and that being the real value of blockchain and, and using cryptography, which has been around for decades, which yeah. historically has been used by the military or secret service, but then in the 70s um, became more popular amongst a group called the cypherpunks who are really interested in privacy of data, really interested in li liberal systems. Um, but really nowadays, why should anyone care about this? I think one fundamental part is the fact that we live in an increasingly digital world and we have a lot of data up mm. there in the cloud and, and we have seen you know, that data being compromised and we have seen patient data at the NHS um, being hacked, etc. So I really think from that perspective, there's a lot of value that blockchain mm. could bring. Yeah, 100%. Now, on, on the other side of things, you do a lot of pro bono support for the women in tech revolution and you work tirelessly towards gender parity in the workplace. Can you tell us and share with us a bit of where that comes from? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I support Women in Tech Revolution, which is a London-based community mm -hmm. that is working towards um, increasing the representation of women across all emerging technologies. So Industry 4.0, that could be blockchain, that could be artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing, big data, the Internet of Things, etc. And really the fusion of all of those emerging technologies, mm -hmm. which the fourth industrial re revolution is all about. Um, and it's a great initiative and they've really managed to yeah, build, a, build a great following mm -hmm. um, in a for short period of time. But um, when you asked me this question, I thought it was really interesting because I've never really asked myself, where does this come from? Mm -hmm. And I think my motivation on the one hand really stems from the fact that only 17% of those working in technology in the UK are female. So looking at the numbers um, and in my view, you know, on a broader level looking at diversity um, and women in business there are just way too many gaps that we hear about you know we hear about the gender funding gap only one percent of funding goes to female founders the gender pay gap um, women and 20 percent less than their male counterparts on average in the UK yeah. 
the gender investment gap have recently been more and more interested. So women seem to invest less. They seem to leave more of their money um, in their bank accounts and um, some investment companies and and um, robotic investment companies uh, are really looking to increase that number, but they say mm -hmm. it never really goes above 30%. Uh, and the question is, why Why is that? Is that really, are women less knowledge knowledgeable in terms of investment? Do they just believe less in their skills? Are they less interested? Mm -hmm. After all, it's often women that really manage the budgets in the households, right? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, a lot to do there really as well. Then, yeah, the gender confidence gap, and gender leadership gap, I don't know if that's what it's called, but you know, looking at women at school, at university, outperforming their, their male counterparts, and then you know, in their 20s at work. Yeah. And then what happens after 30, yeah, it's, you know? Yeah, it's tragedy. And I just don't believe that women are less capable, ambitious than men. I think there's you know, other factors that play a role. And I think it just doesn't make any sense, given that we're really, you know, we're fighting the war for talent. Mm -hmm. It'd be really good to tap into the other 50%. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big advocate of that. It's crazy not to, right? Exactly. It, it, feels, it feels crazy. So there's a real business case for it. Um, and, yeah, the, the, I think there's almost the case as well that you could say it's almost always better, a better idea to hire a woman over a man because a woman will have worked harder to get to the same position. But uh, yeah, I think that question also goes back to my personal experience. Mm. So why am I motivated in, in you know, leading the change in, in diversity? Um, I had a hard think about that. And you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to become the Chancellor of Germany. Did you? That's incredible. I love it. So uh, be the Angela, Angela Merkel, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I grew up with a very strong mum and a very supportive dad. And mm. gender equality has always been a topic um, at the dinner table, as much as you know climate right. change. So many yeah. of the topics which are big now, um, you know, were already a topic of discussion when I was younger, which is great. Um, and I've never been, I would say, I've never been treated any differently. I've had the same opportunities as my brother, mm. you know, um, and as long as you can say that, or maybe even better opportunities because I studied in the UK, did my bachelor's there, then did my master's in France, mm. you know, really cannot complain in any way. Um, but I think, you know, I've still noticed differences having joined the world of work and some barriers. So for instance, you know, having worked in investment banking, it is true that there are more men than women, more men in senior positions as well. And sometimes you do get that feeling of, you know, boys club decision making. Yeah. And um, I, I have noticed how men communicate differently. And a lot of the time, you know, it's first football uh, and having a pint before doing business. Yeah. And it's it's a very different way of communicating than than women do. Um, it's difficult to sort of enter that world. Like I, I I do actually know about football now. Yeah. But back at the beginning of my career, I could never ever expect to go on a meeting and, and pitch to a client who who was always going to be a man back then, especially seventeen years ago. Any any person that I'd be pitching would be for me to place a developer with them. So it would be the CTO or the dev manager. That 100% of the time back then would be a bloke. And um, <laughs> and it would be, all right, then, yeah, let's go to the pub and have a chat. And and I couldn't go there and talk football. Yeah, I couldn't. So I had to make sure that I was, 
I was abreast of information on on any everything else, anything and everything else. So I made sure that I read up about Java or C Sharp or whoever I was representing at the time or whichever tech that they, they had. I made sure I read up about that company. I had to really be uh, much more knowledgeable than Delhi Ali scored yesterday or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And sometimes I feel there's a bit about, you know, being, it, it sounds silly, but being a blonde woman in tech as well. I feel like when I first kind of joined the tech sector, um, it was harder for me to get that credibility. Yeah. And I think that's really important that you're, you're able to share that and, and tell the listeners about that because my fear is that there are still so many people in the workplace who do feel isolated. And even though this, this uh, podcast is called Women of Fintech, I, I am moving towards having a podcast called Humans of Fintech because I think diversity and inclusion comes in so many different ways and, and forms. Um, it's age, it's class, it's gender, it's culture, it's religion. The list is endless. And I think actually the thing that brings it all together is, um, is the fact that there are people that feel isolated and they can't get into whatever club that there may be within their business. And unfortunately that then holds them back when they could have much more potential. So um, I, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, it was harder for you to gain credibility. Yes, and really, you know, <clears throat> these are very subtle, subtle sort of barriers, I'd say, but it made me think um, what, you know, what kind of barriers they are. And I think some of them are really also sort of internal, um, as in, for instance, talking about women um, tend to have a greater risk awareness or, um, you know, some tend to be too well prepared or promote themselves less or whatever. This comes from within, right? But is this a societal thing? Is, is it nature or nurture? Um, it's really kind of interesting things that um, I started to, to think about. But then, you, you know, there's facts. Um, there's this amazing bit of research that Alison Rose did, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you've heard about, yeah, which was actually commissioned by the government and which is very much looking into um, female entrepreneurship. Um, I actually was part of a focus group at the very beginning of their research. And um, they have found that women have lower access to financing and funding. Um, and, you know, there's there's statistics to that. And there's so much that's happening around the topic. I really feel like um, mm. a very positive energy. And I think, you know, things will change. Um, but yeah, there, there are still some of those barriers. I think companies have started to change a lot. Yeah, um, you know, Agree. they can do things. You know, they, you know, flexible working, job sharing, um, creating better work-life balance, um, um, giving the C-suite real KPIs and targets with regards to diversity. And I mm. agree with you. It's not just gender. Mm. It's really about all other factors as well. It's about socioeconomic status, um, you know, ethnicity. Um, it's about those bubbles that we live in, really. Mm. And um, I think once government and companies have enforced more of that, of those rules, those you know, those those benefits, flexibility, etc., then the mindset will change more as well. And I think that's almost the most important thing. Totally agree. Yeah, I think m mindset is a huge thing that, that I think this podcast series itself has started to help change for people. Like the people that get in touch with me, having listened to it, it's, it's great that they're, they're learning so much from real life stories. Yeah. So 
Um, Cadre was founded by two female founders. Now, how does that compare to everything that you've been talking about now being sort of led by, by, by a voice that you're not used to being led, led by? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. And um, I think that actually makes a difference. <laughs> yeah. So I would say from my personal experience, absolutely. Um, at Cadre, yeah, we have two female co-founders who are um, um, extremely talented women in business. Um, and I think it makes a difference in terms of the sort of softer barriers I mentioned before. And I mm. can truly say that I've never felt disadvantaged for being a woman at Cadre. Yeah. And um, I think it's the fact that Leaders in a company and, you know, senior management will always impact culture and values, right? Absolutely. So by definition, um, by being a, a, a woman, it will reduce that subconscious bias around gender. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have, um, we don't have um, any sort of boys club decision making because they're, you know, they're on the board and um, there wouldn't be, you know, that pint after work where you don't feel comfortable going to, mm -hmm. there'd definitely be a pint after work, <laughs> but everyone's invited. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, um, and yeah, looking at research, um, it's that's been confirmed. So Silicon Valley Bank actually did a really interesting piece of research, um, which confirmed that gender diversity at senior levels benefits the bottom line, so brings better returns and growth. And also that um, if startups have at least one woman on the founding team, um, they're much more likely to have female CEOs or COOs. So That's it does have an impact. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think I see it as well. You know, work, working in this world as a recruiter, it means I've got so much visibility. And it's, it is so good to see as many fintech startups as, as we have been privy to over the last few years. And things are definitely changing. You know, I, there is definitely a move forward there's still a lot more that we need to do i know that um but it is really good to hear what you're saying about the, the female founders now you've also got some um really good thoughts around diversity and blockchain so you say it's it's anonymous um in its nature so therefore perfect um for diversity but unfortunately it's just not so could you just tell us a bit about that Yes. Um, so I think, you know, the ultimate goal of blockchain on an ideological level um, would be that society is more inclusive, um, you know, more equal and more transparent. And, you know, looking at Bitcoin, for instance, it's a public network. Anyone mm -hmm. can join it and, and it's uh, anonymous in that sense. So anyone independent from gender, ethnicity, social economic status, mm -hmm. etc. Um, so yeah, definitely, it uh, should really be a sector which is highly inclusive. Mm -hmm. However, um, it hasn't been historically. I mm -hmm. mean, it's a very young sector, right? I mean, Satoshi's white paper was published 10 years ago. Yeah. So that's when um, all of this started and then blockchain in banking a little bit later. Um, and I really think you sort of have to differentiate between blockchain and cryptocurrency here. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because yeah. when when people started talking about blockchain, I found it incredibly different, difficult to understand the difference. Yeah, um, or even realise there was a difference. And I know that some people listening will need that. They'll need that distinction. So. Exactly, because you know there's so many words thrown around, and there's such a hype. So you know, yeah, yeah. when you're 
taxi or Uber driver starts talking about Bitcoin, then you know it's almost you know mainstream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, blockchain is the underlying technology um, underneath cryptocurrency and, for instance, Bitcoin. Um, so it's the the framework, uh, a data structure essentially, which can be separated from the top level. Um, so blockchain is is just a temper evident database that is distributed across devices, mm -hmm. um, as we kind of alluded to before. And cryptocurrency is one application of that. Mm -hmm. But blockchain technology can be applied across sector in mm -hmm. very different environments. And you know, as I said, at Cadre, we are really about blockchain for business. So really want um, business to solve real problems with blockchain if blockchain is the right solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think you have to sort of differentiate because the crypto sector is, you know, is slightly more controversial with regards to maybe not diversity, but the the way it sort of it, it feels more like you know the gold rush, like the pre-crisis financial times. <laughs> yeah, 2017, you know, Bitcoin almost reached twenty thousand um, dollars. Uh, there was the hype around ICOs, initial coin offerings. There was a lot of money to be made, and mm. when there is a lot of money to be made, many people are in it for the short term. Yeah, and I think that you could really see in how people interacted with each other. How you know, you go to conferences and you see women in bikinis and and yeah, objectifying women where you think, you yeah. know, it, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of feels, yeah, lacking maturity, mm. I would say. Whilst, you know, in blockchain, it really depends on which sector you're talking about. And it's, it's, a very, diff it's very different to that kind of crypto world. And um, looking at fintech in general, I was a little bit surprised when I kind of left investment banking and joined the startup world. I thought, oh, I see some amazing, you know, diversity here. But also in fintech, um, you know, only 17% of fintech founders are female um, and it isn't as positive as I expected it to be. Mm. Maybe again, because it's, it's risky, it's, you know, it's technology, it's new and so forth. So some of your um, solutions to this are around the stuff that you're doing at Women in Tech Revolution. You're really passionate about getting people from outside tech into tech to try and address address this balance, well, to create a balance, because there obviously isn't one at the minute. Um, this 17%, it's, um, it's, it's, it's concerning, um, but it is better than where we were. Yes. It's about speeding that up now. And, and you've been talking a lot about people from outside tech getting them into tech, um, and tech isn't all that it seems. It's a great career, you can future-proof yourself. Share a bit about why you, why you feel that Absolutely. way. Absolutely, and I just I, just to say, I don't want to kind of just highlight the, the barriers and the issues. I think mm. there is so much happening, and London is such an amazing space for it. Mm. Um, mm. And in my working life, I've always had very inspirational senior leaders at Comets right. Bank. Um, Margarita Thiel, who's actually now the highest woman up in, well, the highest person in communications, second hand of the CEO at the second largest German bank. Wow. She's inspired me on a daily basis. Um, and, and now, you know, looking at the fintech sector, the, the stuff you do, the stuff Innovate Finance does, Charlotte Crosswell, who's really leading the debate, yeah. I really feel like a lot has changed. Um, but I think, it, you know, there is still an issue and that's why it's important to talk about it. Mm, absolutely. And um, I, I'm really sort of, you know, engaged in, in that space of encouraging women to join 
tech, the tech space because mm. I love it. Yeah. I think it's a great space to be in. And also because I think it's sort of necessary to be tech curious in the world that we live in. Um, after all, we stand on the brink of a technology revolution that will fundamentally change the way we communicate, um, interact, work, live on a daily basis. So I think it's really important to, yeah, to, to learn what this is all about. Mm. And I think fact is that some people feel like they don't have the right skill set to join the tech sector. And women tend to only apply to jobs where they fulfill the criteria 120%. Yeah. And may not realize that actually a lot of our skill sets is, are, is transferable, mm. right? So really it's about going out there and you know, often I kind of tell my story, talk about inspirational women you know, I've met in the space, um, talk about the barriers and how I've overcome them and really talk about the fact that the skills that you have, they can be applied in tech and you don't need to be mm. um, coding um, mm. on a daily basis to work in tech. Mm. And actually, I think it was Glassdoor that did research on this recently and found that many of the jobs that are out there at the moment are looking for non-tech skills. Mm -hmm. And as you know, this is sort of um, the thing I'm doing in, in, in banking and tech space, which is very much about communicating um, the benefits of technology. And it's about driving that narrative, especially in blockchain, where there's still mm. so many um, myths and, and mis misconceptions about what it is. Yeah. It's really so important to, to drive that debate. And also looking at technology, you know, it's great if you have a great product, but you have to market it and you have to explain how it's different. Mm. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. So really, I think there are a million different avenues and career paths in mm -hmm. tech. Um, and yeah, I think more women should join. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear all, all your thoughts around that. So as my last question, what would you say is next on the horizon for you? So I'll continue to drive the agenda. I really think <clears throat> there is so much hope and there's so much that's happening. And there's a business case for diversity, which always helps mm -hmm. in terms of the rule for talent and the recruitment perspective. Mm -hmm. um, companies are tapping into their other 50%. Um, there's a business case in terms of diversity impacting the bottom line profits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, looking at the Alison Rose research, you know, um, they found that if um, there was more funding going to women, if, if female entrepreneurs were more successful in, in, in raising those funds, then there is a 250 billion pound opportunity for the UK economy, which could be handy with Brexit. Well, yeah, we can't, <laughs> we can't not look at that, can we? <laughs> exactly. So. Um, yeah, and um, I'm speaking at Women in Silicon Roundabout in June 2020. Oh, amazing. It's a Congrats. very high-profile event, which I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of blockchain um, and cadre, we are working on a rebrand. So uh, watch this space. And um, in terms of the blockchain markets, you know, um, after all of that hype, I think we've really kind of... Um, joined crypto winter, so um, the hype really hasn't helped the blockchain technology and the application in, in real business. 
So um, the fact that we're on crypto winters may be a good thing for people that are in this for the long run, mm. that really want to change business models. Yeah, take the hype out of it. And exactly. Actually do business, yeah. 100%, so we're saying that that's a good thing and looking at the Gardner hype uh, life cycle, um, we're sort of getting to the end of that and we might get into whatever they call the scope of enlightenment very soon. Ooh. So, um, yeah, um, whenever we stop talking about blockchain and actually talking about the benefits and the solutions, yeah. that's when we're there. Yeah. And uh, just tell me uh, for one last time for everyone listening. So, uh, Cardro, it's all about delivering certainty through automation transparency, tamper evidence, and there was one more T. Traceability. Traceability. So if anybody wants to hear more about Python and pizza lunches um, and what Cadre's doing, or of course, about how we can all work to walk forward together when it comes to diversity within the workplace, please get in touch with Anna. Anna, thank you very much for joining us on Women of Fintech. Thanks so much, Nadia.